Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Hello and welcome to Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast, episode number 64, where we are delighted to say that on a return since many, many months, we've got the man, the myth, the legend, that is Brum. Brum, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, lads. Glad, glad to be back. I'm really sorry. It's only a bit of a, a flying visit tonight, but um, my wife was doing bedtime, so I thought I'd make the most of it and come say hi to you lads for 20 minutes. Absolutely. I hear that you've got lots of AEW chat for us, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, lots is a strong word, but yeah, I've got some <laughs> lukewarm takes as ever. And Carman, you're back after um, not such a long miss, and I hear that you've got some G1 takes. Uh, I've got some takes. I don't know how burning hot they are. <laughs> Excellent stuff. So shall we crack on with what the nerds are watching? I've been watching you. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, 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 long. Come on. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, 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 long. Let's go with um, AEW to kick things off. Rum, take it away. Yeah, well, I think it was... It was an interesting AEW. I've been, I mean, I've watched every Dynamite. Um, I stopped watching Rampage a while back unless there was something particularly sexy going off. But what I had kind of done with recent Dynamites was I just wasn't too enthralled by it. And I'd start fast forwarding through little bits. And there was still a lot of really good matches on. And if, and if you do, and, and still some interesting story bits. And actually by, probably going into wrestling history, AEW Dynamite is still a really good wrestling show, but compared to when it was absolute must-watch, this is gets up into all-time canon of best runs of wrestling TV series, it, I'd say, significantly dropped off from that. Yeah. But this week's Dynamite was, was definitely, for me, a point at we could be getting to a return to form because I thought it was an absolutely fantastic episode and even more exciting looking forward in terms of what it meant. Yeah. I spoke to Dom on his birthday this weekend and he said the same pretty much that um, he felt that it was one of the best Dynamites he's ever seen this yeah. uh, last past one. What was the uh, main takeaway for you in terms of what made it so? I'd say I'd go as far as saying there were three main takeaways. So you had the punk promo, which was fascinating, which I'll, I'll get to in, a, in into a second. You had an absolute banger of a two out of three falls match between Daniel Garcia and Brian Danielson. And then you had the six man with the surprise, though probably not a very big surprise return of Kenny Omega, um, which also was, was not only a really good match, but very interesting in terms of pointing at Kenny, maybe not quite being fully there. And, and he's going to take some road to get back to what he is, but, still overlaid a, a really really interesting match yeah it was just just overall a really a, just a cracking show with with like i said to i think a huge point to the future in terms of what could be happening around cm punk and, and the future of the title and and everything like that have you guys i know that you've not um you've not seen the show have you were you aware of much about what's happened with with punk and the promo and everything around that I read into it, yes, and I've seen the um, kind of furore of people reading backstage news about CM Punk's attitude backstage and reading into it as if this isn't CM Punk, this is Phil Brooks talking. 
and the blurred <laughs> lines of all that sort of stuff where people seem to be trying to bury punk's personality online. Lies. Oh, lies! So yeah, it definitely seems to be heating up in terms of social traction anyhow. Can I just yeah. ask, um, sorry, I might uh, pull the curtain back a bit. My internet is horrendous, so I've missed parts of this. Um, I was going to ask about that. Does that add anything to your enjoyment, Brum, of the storyline, the, the kind of backstagey, gossipy stuff? Does it, like, add a layer to it? A little bit of it. I think these days I don't get as much chance to do that. I, I do um, the squared circle on Reddit. I do pop in and out of. I think it does add a little bit of a layer because it's just it's funny, isn't it? I don't, I don't take any of it seriously. And that whole work versus shoot stuff doesn't really interest me. But... <laughs> But for me, really, it's just, I think the storyline's interest, really, just really interesting anyway. And so it's almost the the on-screen stuff, which is a little bit grey. Like, it, even me watching it, it felt like when he said it, like, the stuff, it, what he said about Hangman at the start, it felt like that didn't feel like a normal promo. It felt like he's supposed to be building up to a mox thing. Is this just him really cleverly dropping nuggets? Which, if so, is great because I've been, you know, I've, I've talked for ages how I really liked complex web storylines, which can be dropped in and out of. But even with that said, it did still feel a little bit unnatural in like, what's what's this about? He's just burying Paige for no reason. So that did tweak my my spidey sense of, ooh, this is this is illicit. My spidey sense is tell me this is going to get fucking tasty, baby. But not to the level that I'd probably scour through and be like, oh, well, this is actually a reference to when Adam Page shit on his dog in 2017 or something like that. That's, yeah. that's probably a bit of a layer in front of me. But I do like the illicit drops, even if they are on screen rather than backstage dirt sheet stuff. I like the switch in story there that not that hangman page's dog would have took the shit but that page would have took the shit on the dog it's still real to me damn it <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, it's a nice it's a nice play with the convention i was gonna ask one more question as well from from the outside i still a little bit of criticism obviously of them doing the title match on an episode uh, rather than a pay-per-view which is in i don't know is it 10 days from now something like that what are you fucking stupid yeah, of course. And, and like AEW are not known for major shenanigans, which is why I asked, like, have they got this? I don't know. Wrong's the wrong word. But like, should they be saving this match for the pay or does it just make the TV more exciting? I guess I don't know because I don't watch. Like, how does it fit? Does it feel natural, Brum? It would be this week. Yeah. So I'm, I'm with you that AEW do those kind of big quarterly pay-per-views, the sacrosanct a little bit. And I know that there's been sometimes underwhelming big matches as kind of the title matches of now, whether it be Christian or whether there was the, you know, the, I think Orange Cassidy was in, in one of the matches. But at the same time, it's not like them to kind of just completely pull the rug. But this, yeah, so that does feel a little bit strange. I mean, there's there's a few ways they can go, isn't there? And, and again, Probably there are people online who have written about this who have worked have worked everything out, and it's, it's very clear. There's either that match is a dud, and there's some sort of run-ins to build another match, and it just goes back to that being the the pay-per-view match. They could do again another shenanigan-y things, which leads to a triple threat match, which again doesn't feel particularly AEW big showy, but they might do that. Or they could go nuclear, and there's just a big fuck-a-doodle-do, punk wins, and it's Punk versus MGF, MJF or something completely out of left field. I, 
yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I wish I could give you more sexy hot take insight on that, but um, <laughs> I'm not sure. How about you guys as more casual watchers on that? Do you have a gut of where they may be going? I was presuming that it was going to be a punk kind of underhand win that starts the heel turn. And then we get the actual heel versus face punk v page straight after it. What, at all out? Is no, it like, all out for the Just like um, as a lead in to the next arc. Oh, but so you think, but in terms of like setting up to the next pay per view, you think it's just going to be Mox Punk or, or where are we sitting? Yeah, I think that they might even actually just do the title change on the show and be a bit different, to be honest. And maybe they'll just have some kind of promo stuff on yeah. the show itself with Punk. What? So an all out not have a title match? Yeah. I mean, that's not crazy. Chicago. I, I t- that's what I was going to say about in terms of them doing, say it was Punk Page. Let's say that was the plan now. Surely, Tony Khan, he's smart. He doesn't think he's going to do a face page via Hill Punk in Chicago. Yeah, so it just, it's wild, isn't it? This is why I'm wondering why Wednesday's really intriguing and interesting from a TV point of view. I think it's it's massive. And maybe it's a reaction to something. Maybe it's just what was planned. But I think um, it makes, as we're recording on Tuesday, it makes tomorrow night so interesting to see what they do because the pay-per-view is so close. They've then got to put on another match of this calibre at the big show. And I find that really interesting. I'm not going to say that they've done the right or wrong thing because I just want to see how it plays out. They're not worried about Mox having to go into All Out as a heel or anything like that. So they have that match, however it finishes, and Punk fights a heel in Chicago. I'm not, no, no idea. If it is slightly underhand and it's the start of a heel turn for Punk on Dynamite, because he's such a big Bret Hart fan, I would love him to be like, I'm going to handpick my pay-per-view person and it's Al Dandy. And who are you to doubt Al Dandy? (laughs) (laughs) And also then he could feed into the, I'm a face in Chicago, but I'm a heel everywhere else. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it is really interesting. I I really like, um, so going back to what you said earlier, Brom, about like when they did Omega Christian as a main event, it was, um, depending on your taste, some people found that underwhelming and that's understandable. I really enjoyed it, but I can understand. But the reason no one really cared was because the ending was so blockbuster, right? They're bringing the people in. Yeah. So if TK's got something planned along those lines, whether it's MJF, blah, 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 then maybe he feels like he can give a slightly underwhelming, although that sounds harsh, a slightly underwhelming match because he's got something blockbuster planned for the finish of the show that will overwrite it. So that's why I find it so interesting. I don't know where they're going. But I love it. Yeah. I don't know in terms of the, I mean, by doing something schmozzy with punk marks, I guess they, they could do something where it's like a triple threat where there is someone more healy there i don't know so mox isn't the de facto heel like what what's jericho for example i don't know what he's i know he's got kind of other shizzle going on and was already kind of in that scene but i'm just yeah i I don't know how they could make it work i think powerhouse hobbs is number two in the rankings wow but seems a bit odd like you don't you think he's gonna have other things going on at the pay-per-view yeah interesting stuff going on in a aew and how do you feel about the trios tournament yeah. As a storytelling vehicle, it's worked fine. I've never really given a shit about trios belts. I think they're a waste of time. You what? They'll have fun matches, but who I'm definitely of the um of the opinions that you want a limited amount of belts in the company and AEW have way too many, to the point that who gives a shit if you're wearing gold. Uh, you make a good point. The tournament's been fun and there'll be more fun matches with it, and that's all good, and it's worked as a storytelling device, but actually Having trios belts, for me, I couldn't give a shit. It's like New Japan. 
there there's basically only one title that matters in AEW. I'd say there's a couple. I care about who the world and tag team champions are and the women's title. Everything else is just silly buggers, yeah. really. I'm going to respectfully disagree, but also kind of agree. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think that the, the trio's belts are going to have any level of prestige, them, much in the way that they don't have any level of prestige elsewhere. But I do have blind faith in that AEW's trio's division will consistently deliver bonkers six-man matches. And yeah. that's why I'm all for it. Because even the lineup for that tournament is, I think the term is stacked. And I'm fine with the six-man teams in that tournament just going back and forth and just having belters. I agree that the belts won't probably mean anything. And I, I wouldn't even argue that AEW has too many belts, etc. Especially with the Ring of Honor uh, side of things. But I am very excited about the potential matchups that we could get in that division. That's why I'm pro it. Yeah, fair play. I think it's just more the case of in six months' time, you could have a, a fantastic six-man match between some variation of Lucha Brothers E, Death Triangle and whatever, versus some variation of Young Bucks and Friends. And that match would be the same amount of good if at the end you don't go, oh, great, one of them won the titles. And I know that you need it as an almost like a, a MacGuffin. That's what I was going to say. I, I was exactly going to use the same word, Bram. I just think it's <laughs> a MacGuffin to get them there. Just as a but quick yeah. um, question on it, as I haven't seen any of them, have they taken the Lucha rules of no tags? I should really know that. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely been paying full attention well, the, to this. We all know that the Trust Busters are well-versed in Lucha rules, so I presume <laughs> they have. Amazing. But yeah, I didn't think so. But then again, please do not quote me on that. <laughs> Phil's going to research it and edit it to make whoever's right sound right and cut out the other one I see. yeah either, either put the ding or the in now <laughs> and going from kind of uh, flippy stuff to five star matches Conman, I think you watched the G1, right? Pretty much every single tournament match. I was very close to watching every match. I missed one day by accident. And I can't oh. remember what matches were on that day. Uh, but so I didn't go, go back and make Phil job harder. I've got a drop. But um, oh, on. Yeah. yeah, lovely to speak to you. And I'll speak to you too. Cheers, Bram. Bye-bye. Bram. That's it. I'm out of here. A few moments later. So, yeah, I, I missed one day by accident. And I only realised at the end of the groups when my maths didn't make sense. Oh, no. Uh, but but I'm not going to go back and watch that day. I can't remember what the match was. But yeah, I pretty much saw all of it. New Japan's in a place where some people have kind of uh, soured on it, and that's fine. I think some of the booking has been testing uh, for, for New Japan purists and stuff. But I really enjoyed the G1. I don't know if it's just because I set myself out to invest in it this year and go for it, but I thought it was a really fun tournament with uh, loads of storylines. If we were going match of the tournament, my personal favourite, and I'm not sure what star ratings have been handed out, so... I'm not sure if you have that information, Ross, but my personal favourite was the semi-final between Tetsuya Naito and Will Ospreay, which I thought was ridiculously good. It might be because I had massive personal investment in that match, knowing that I picked yeah. Tetsuya Naito to win the tournament in the Pickhams. And So that's a uh, fairly fresh matchup for New Japan, isn't it? Yeah, and I would agree. It felt fairly fresh. And when I was watching the sequences, I was like, oh, I've not seen this before. Oh, I've not seen that. And it felt... Yeah. It felt really cool. Um, I know, listen, the final was probably objectively the best match, I, I'm guessing. But um, for me, that semi-final was up there with any match that was held in the tournament. 
Amazing. And I saw that New Japan have announced the first two people for Crystal Palace shows, and it is, in fact, the two finalists, Okada and Osprey. So are you heading to Crystal Palace? I've not decided, is my honest answer. I'll probably see how the card shakes out. But that's cool that Okada is uh, is coming, because uh, Okada has already been put on the website as Wrestle Kingdom main eventing. He's not defending that briefcase. He does not give a hoot. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, yeah, it's cool, because I think he's... Um, his wife or girlfriend recently gave birth as well, so he's on a bit of a maternity leave. So that would probably be his comeback, I think. Okay, nice. I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm definitely going to try and get tickets to one of the shows. I, I doubt that I can afford to do both, but yeah, yeah, I'm definitely up for one. If you'd indulge me a bit, I'll tell you some of the, my favourite stories from the whole G1. Absolutely, please do. Uh, in Group A, I mean, the, coming from a complete card-carrying Akada fan who will defend him till the hill, I thought he had excellent matches against so many opponents in that group. He took his licks against Lance Archer in a match that I saw compared to Brock John Cena, the famous uh, 2014 SummerSlam match. And I can't really disagree. Okada got the hell beaten out of him. Uh, got the victory, which is different to that match. But uh, he was battered by Lance Archer and it was glorious. Um, his opener with Jeff Cobb was really good. And the match with Jonah, I think, was the most important match in the group. I don't know how plugged in you were to it, Ross, but Jonah didn't get pinned or submitted in the whole of the G1. OK, how did he... Um... How did he lose his matches then? So he lost two matches. Uh, he lost to Yano because everyone loses to Yano once in their life. And he lost to Cobb um, as well, right? Did he lose to Cobb? No, he lost to Bad Luck Farley, I believe. Oh, okay. Uh, and I think that was a count out. Uh, or Yeah, I think it was a count out in both. Uh, but he didn't get pinned or submitted, which commentary really beat home uh, throughout the semis and finals when he had his tag matches. Like, this guy's a problem. And of course, he beat Okada, which in New Japan is basically like winning a belt, right? Um, in a really good match as well. Um, I love the idea of um, now psychology matches against Jonah rather than like take down the knees. It's like, get him out of the ring. (laughs) Get him outside. Drag him outside. I think that's really cool. Like, uh, yeah. But he had a really strong showing in the group. Obviously, Lance Archer too. And uh, Jeff Cobb as well. But there were so many monsters in the group. It was quite hard for them to all kind of... Yeah, on paper, that that was the one that struck me as the one that I'd probably want to watch. Yeah, and Lawler, um, Lawler had a good showing in the group. He, he started slow and took a couple of L's, but as the group went on, he beat Cobb, I think, in his final match, maybe. Okay. Um, and Lawler looked, looked good. And that's a guy they've pushed really strongly in the American side of things, so I'm glad he had a good run. Yano didn't quite Yano this year like he has, but always always great value. In Group B, of course, the story was basically that Tamatonga's now a, a bit of a threat. Uh, he went 5-1, and one, which is the joint best record in the groups, along with Okada and Jay White from memory. A five and one record for Tamatonga in a group with Sonada and the likes in is an incredible achievement. Ishii, I think, was in that group too. Yeah. Um, so a really good showing from Tamatonga. Like they, him getting that semi-final felt like a really massive moment for him. And and fair is play. That, like, well, is that um, the start of a bit of a solo push for him? Or well, he, I think he won the Never title recently-ish. I could be completely wrong on that because I have dropped off a little bit of Japan. But I think that they're going to invest something in him. He's a baby face now. He looks cool. And the match with the card was really good. I mean, personal taste, I question whether he's one of the guys, but he's definitely earned the right to have a go and have a run. I mean, he's been there for a time, one of the Bullet Club OGs, of course. And yeah, and, and he looks cool as fuck. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with him getting a little bit of a push. And the, the story in that group, really, his run kind of crept up on me where I was like, Jay White is just smoking dudes here. There's no one, I don't think he can be caught. And then looked at the maps and like, yeah, Tama was within reaching distance of catching him. I thought it was crazy. In a group with, like I say, I mentioned against Sonada, where you think Sonada was maybe going to be the one to push Jay White. Um, well, it the, was um, I know that they could, don't really do pops because of the current crowd situation, but what was the crowd reaction to Tama beating Jay White? 
yeah, it was an out of nowhere one from memory as well. Like it, it did feel like a, a bit of a, oh, but I think the way the G1 works, I, I do think people have an inkling uh, because of the records going right. in, you know, Jay White being 5-0, and Tama 4-1, if he wins, he wins the group. So I don't think it was a, a wow shock. I think it would have been a bigger shock if it had happened earlier in the group. But Tama is, it was the guy in that group and it was fantastic. I didn't have any real hot takes on Group C. There was really good matches and Zach had a really good showing, of course, and was right down to the last match uh, with Naito, which went two and a half minutes, because why not? Uh, you have to have a couple of them in the tournament to keep the magic alive that matches can end at any time. But for me, it's evil. I love evil now again. I've gone full circle. I just love that he's just a shit hill. <laughs> just love it. He's just rubbish now, like which is a bit annoying because he's a really good wrestler, but... They're just crap. Him and Dick Togo are just there to spoil everything and be rubbish. <laughs> and I've kind of bought into it. It's like, especially with Show running out halfway through. And again, I want so much more for Show because I, th- I think he's arguably their best junior. But, oh, like the glorious nature of them ruining matches. As long as it's interspersed with good matches, which New Japan always deliver. I- I've actually come round on it. I might be in the minority. I haven't checked the online reaction. But I'm all in on the Evil's uh, wing of the Bullet Club. I'm loving it. <laughs> The three years of Bullet Club being pushed down your throat, you're finally into it. I'm <laughs> finally there with, with Evil and his rubbish shenanigans. I think it's because he's not very good at it. That's why I'm giving him like, oh, bless Evil. I mean, this guy won the title two years ago. Now he's jobbing out to half the roster. I love it. Is it still like the um, splinter gang of um, the yeah. House of Torture, is it? House of Torture. I'm glad you said that because I'd forgotten the name. Yeah, the House of Torture side of things. Um, He had a really stupid match with Kenta, but I say that with love. Like, it was so stupid. Kenta was trying to sell his book and Evil was trying to cheat, but pretend he wasn't cheating because they're both Bullet Club deep down. It was nonsense. And I think it got, like, on cage match, it's got, like, a 2.0 or a 10 or something. I thought it was really stupid and fun. What was the match between Evil and Zack Sabre that Brum was raving about? Because... I seem to remember thinking like, oh, I'm going to check out what happened. And like the match time was like 26 seconds or something. Yeah, it was it was nonsense. That's why Brum tried to ruse us all. And I bet, I bet, I said, oh, I'm glad Evil's had a good match. I'm coming around, blah, blah, blah. It was nonsense. It was absolute nonsense. I can't remember the exact details, but Zach jumped them on the ramp and then they had a, a big brawl around the ring and then Zach rolled him up with one of his weird uh, <laughs> British pins. Uh, it was it was really funny. Again, I, I'm, I'm all for Evil being this character. It's a shame he won the world title because it kind of feels like, why is the world a former world champion wrestling like this? Yeah. I think this is good nonsense, but I'm sure a, a Puro fan will say that I'm completely wrong. But out the G1, was there any sign or any mention of Kota? Kevin Kelly, and the, I had English commentary, obviously. I unfortunately don't speak Japanese. But yeah, Kota was mentioned in, ter- in passing in terms of winning it and stuff. So I'm not sure. Obviously, Kevin Kelly didn't get any memos to not mention him. He was mentioned <laughs> in passing. And do you know what Group D obviously was the group of weirdness where Dave Finley suddenly became a carder for a few matches and won everything. Yeah. Um, Dave Finley's record is absolutely mad. If you look at the people he beat, he beat Shingo, Will Ospreay and Juice Robinson, yet suffered defeats to El Fantasmo, Yujiro and Yoshihashi. Amazing. Like, I don't understand that booking, but it was fantastic while it lasted. Uh, I think everyone in that group pretty much finished on six points apart from... Will Ospreay, who won the group on eight. Uh, so someone must have finished on four at the bottom. I can't remember who. I saw um, that um, Will Ospreay's impressive new Twitter fandom, where he manages to press everyone off with the stuff that he says, even managed to get through to Natalia during the G1. I don't know wow. if you saw that. I didn't see that. What happened there? And basically, he cut a promo on Finley where he mentioned Tyson Kidd 
and the dungeon and all that sort of stuff. And Natty bit. <laughs> of course you did. Well done, Natty. And well done, Will, for getting the bite. But I was genuinely shocked in the last match of that group. Uh, this is my real hot take, but if it is a hot take, it's not a hot take. That Shingo lost to El Fantasma, which is cool for the... I think Shingo's the king of pro wrestling champion, so that's probably setting up a match for that down the line. Shingo's probably added a bit more legitimacy to a belt that is, or a trophy that is pretty throwaway uh, because his match types are not going to be the silly Yano ones. They're going to be just kind of a bit more serious, I guess. Uh, so, what got... sort of, like, so what sort of stipulation does he choose? Oh, so I, he had a he had a really silly one with Tai Chi, to be fair, which I can't remember now. And there's going to be people who watch New Japan going, you don't even watch this product. Why are you talking about it? Um, <laughs> I can't remember. But I could imagine him and Phantasma are going to have something a bit more serious because Phantasma beat him clean. There was no real shenanigans from Phantasma here. Um, Phantasma hadn't been a real threat in the group. Obviously, he's only just moved up from junior. And then he goes and beats Shingo, like, in a real kind of uh, babyface fire performance against the guy that held the belt not too long ago. It was a really, one of the biggest shock results for me. I thought Shingo was going to pull through and win that group. So I, was, I know Will Ospreay, of course, is getting a, the treatment he probably deserves for his recent performances. But I really did think Shingo was going to win that. And to see how Fantasma being was my biggest shock in the tournament, actually. But I think Fantasma is great. And I do think he's good enough for heavyweight. And I think there's a baby face ready to come out in him when the crowds are there. Because I think they'll wow at some of the... Yeah, that's what I was reading about him. That um, It seems that he's kind of ripe for a turn. Yeah, I completely agree. He he stepped up to heavyweight really well, and uh, I hope he has a good run. And the match with Shingo will now happen for that belt, and that would be cool. Awesome. So we've caught up on the cool promotions. Shall we have a quick talk about WWE Raw? <laughs> I'd love to hear about Raw because I've heard nothing but buzz online, Ross. Yeah, even 411 Mania gave uh, Raw is more 9 out of 10. Unreal. What is this, 1998? <laughs> the scenes. <laughs> The big talking point, of course, was the return of Johnny Gargano, Mr. Wrestling. Very, very happy with it myself. Obviously, someone that did his hard yards at NXT and now he's getting a go on the full-time roster. Unlike a lot of previous NXT introductions that happened in the past, he got the big introduction, he got the mic to explain who he was, where he's been, get his flowers from the fans who do know him. And then we got a bit of a throwback to um, The Way with Theory coming out and... Seemingly sharing the love with him, saying how excited he was to see him, only to kind of do a classic theory thing of talk down to him and say all those things that you listed that you want to be US, US champion, champion, IC champion. Um, I've done them previous to you. So yeah, loads of fun. He asked him to do the big signal to the crowd in the way that in the way that the way did with their two hands together. And then as he went to do it, Gargano gave him a big old kick in the head. So seemingly setting up a bit of a run with Theory to kick things off for his main roster run, which is exciting. Well, like it's the classic um, bring them in at the top, right? I know Theory's dropped up in recent weeks. He's the money in the bank winner. So that's a really good way to introduce him. Absolutely. And you're going to get a good match out of him. A few other things to talk about from Raw. Um, we saw Bailey's first match back after almost... Oh, actually, it's, I think it's more than a year out, isn't it? Um, for Bailey after her terrible knee injury that she got in PC. It was against Aliyah. Pretty... Steady Eddie match, nothing to write home about too much. But she got some decent heat, of course, in Toronto, who that crowd hated her from 2016. (laughs) And there was a nice little touch where she did the double knees from Sasha Banks across the ropes. So it's a a little nod to Sasha Banks there as well. Love that. And it was the first time that we saw Asuka and Io Shirai in the same ring in a match on WA TV. 
obviously they've got loads of history going back to when they were in the trios together in stardom um yeah i um i saw your tweet and i think uh if people haven't seen that particular tweet they're well worth going and uh, sourcing <laughs> that out it's uh, it's something i wasn't aware of so yeah big fan i won't say any more just search for that tweet <laughs> Yeah, so obviously um, Asuka and Bliss are now out of the tournament and into the finals go Io Sky and Dakota Kai, which I have no problem with at all. Love both those wrestlers. Next up, we had a real fun match between Dolph Ziggler and Finn Balor that got a decent amount of time. They've got really good chemistry, those two. Uh, the near falls were, were brilliant. The crowd was really into it. Obviously, a nothing match in terms of stakes, but the crowd were into it as if it was a championship match on a pay-per-view, which is great. Tessie on a Raw. And also, Finn Balor's got a new heel theme, which is like a remix of the original theme, which is really, really great. Next up, we had Kevin Owens coming out in Toronto, getting a massive pop. Not quite as big as Sami Zayn in Montreal the previous week, but still massive. Uh, he came out in his old school KO shirt, um, obviously leading into last week's promo where he said that he misses the old KO and he's brought back that old look from, when was that, 20, maybe 2014, 2015 time? Um, so yeah, looks really great. I'll put a tweet out that um, did quite well on social, got almost a thousand likes. Was uh, the picture of him on his debut and his picture of him from last night on Raw, and he looks pretty much the exact same. He looks in great shape. Uh, Ready to KO. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also had another Dexter Loomis sighting where he kidnapped the Miz, and Miz was dragged off, <laughs> dragged off screen to wherever he's dragged him to. Ross, can I talk about this? Is this the most perfect way to debut Dexter Loomis? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's an absolute brilliant debut. It's absolutely not to put him in a match, <laughs> let's, let's be honest. This is perfect. He's obviously got loads of history with a lot of the people that are on the roster now. And also makes me think that if he's going after the Miz, we could potentially be getting Miz and Mrs. versus Index, which would be amazing fun. Yeah, so is that a match that excites you, Miz and Mrs. versus Index? Uh, yeah, for the storyline-wise, I think it would be great in the build-up, especially. It's like what you were saying about Dexter's what he is in the ring, but he's no mug, but he's not maybe a, a machine. Um, so, yeah, I think the more nonsense, the better. This is the perfect starting feud. And bringing in uh, Indy as well will just be a real cherry on the cake. Yeah, pro it. Absolutely. Then we um, ended the uh, episode with a face-off between Rhea Ripley and Beth Phoenix. Obviously, Rhea Ripley... In the WWE, there's no kind of like men on women wrestling. So she's managing to get the upper hand pretty much every time that she's out there with the Mysterios or with Edge or whoever it is that she's against at the time. So having Beth there is pretty exciting. And I think it's a bit of a dream match, really, isn't it? Uh, two powerhouse women that from different generations should be a lot of fun. Yeah, route one booking that makes complete sense. Like, it, yeah, give it me. Praising, boom. And then last but not least to talk about on Raw... Next week, they've got Kurt Angle on the show. Just a little um, discussion of, like a little preview of uh, Booker Bingo. Anything that you'd want to see Kurt Angle be doing on Raw? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> but I'm excited for whatever they do. Is there any hint of what he is doing? Is he just having a chat? Is he? Um, it hasn't been no mentioned. No, just uh, that it's on Raw. So yeah. Um, but from watching, is there anywhere where he fairly fits in? Like he'll do something with? I can imagine that he'll probably come out when, because um, at the moment Chad Gable's doing like those matches where you just call someone out. So I can imagine maybe Angle comes out not to wrestle, but like then they have their little promo. Obviously, you've got the shared thing of um, Jason Jordan as well. 
Hey, Josh. Hi, mate. How's hey, it Josh. Hello, hello. Yes, I'm good, mate. I'm all good. <laughs> uh, you're going to uh, save us a little bit here because Matt it keeps on dropping out because he's got bad internet at the moment. Right, okay. Well, I feel like I've watched about 150 wrestling matches in the last week or so, so... Well, luckily for you, we've pretty much talked about them all, and now we're going to move on to the preview of Progress, which you've seen one show of. <laughs> right, okay, brilliant. Um, but that's cool, man. Uh, yeah, so then just a last little note on what the nerds are watching is the weekend that RevPro have just had. Fair play to them. It seemed as if they had another great draw at the York Hall, and there were some matches that specifically got some really good write-ups with the Velocities match. In particular, I saw Speedball Bailey against... Osprey apparently was amazing on night one and night two of course saw the change of guard on RevPro with uh, RKJ becoming the new RevPro champion and seemingly Osprey taking a bit of a step away from RevPro wrestling for a bit where he also said a promo during the show apparently where he said if you lost your job well my heart goes out to you but when you come back here you wipe your feet at the door and you wash the dishes <laughs> because this locker room are the ones who kept the lights on while you were gone. So an interesting little sign off there. I'm sure maybe potentially Rev Pro might be booking that way to, to kind of like keep that kind of uh, sentiment alive, maybe with a bit of um, grudge matches between people that used to be on the indies and now are back on the indies against the guys that have been there throughout the pandemic. So a bit of a new blood rising versus the Millionaires Club, perhaps. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, did you see any of the um, sentiment online from Rev Pro? Yeah, I mean, I kind of I kind of get it. I do kind of get it, but then it's wrestling, isn't it? So you could turn anything into a work and, you know, book shows around it, like you said. So I wouldn't be half surprised to see half the old NXT UK roster on Rev Pro shows and pretty much across all Brit rest shows of the next year or so, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, we saw Eddie Dennis return to Rev Pro. I'm not even sure that Eddie Dennis has been on Rev Pro for years. So that was pretty cool. Um, and he came out to... Andrew WK, so that must have been fun for the people that were at York Hall. Yeah, I think um, I think we've had this chat privately, Ross. I, I think it can only be a good thing for the the British wrestling scene to have all these talents suddenly available. Yeah, for sure, definitely. Um, it just opens up lots more opportunities for more people, but also there is an element now of you know a little bit like when you've got a bit of money in in football and suddenly you've got two good players for every position. There's a bit of competition now, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, but. Like I said, I think the people who win are people like me and you who go to these shows. So Absolutely. I think it's going to be good for the fans. Absolutely. And a lot of the smaller independent shows will probably get a lot better names on them now as well. Yeah, because obviously you, it's a chance to see people you may have seen on the TV. Because, you know, not everyone who watched NXT UK knew of these people beforehand. So I think it's given them a good spotlight. And I'm kind of the glass half full thing with that kind of thing. I think it can be good for the companies and good for the um, the performers as well. Yeah, definitely. My other takeaway from the weekend was I wonder, because obviously New Japan highlighted that Rev Pro title so well, that British Championship. I wonder if RKJ is going to now become part of the New Japan scene because he holds that title. I mean, that would be something. I, I, I don't know if it was on during the show or after the show, but I did see, I think it was Osprey shared a, a drink with RKJ after. Did I right, see yeah. that? Yeah. And then also, he I don't know if you spoke about this already, but he also led the crowd in... um. Some rather unpleasant chants about uh, Kazuchika Okada as well. So that'd be quite fun when uh, New Japan comes to England in a, in a few weeks now. Not not so long. I think it's is it October. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And yeah. like I said to um, the lads that the first two names announced were Okada and Osprey. So if we get that match, happy days. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, after G1, I, I don't know what you thought of that, Ross, but any chance to see those two wrestle again, I'll um, 
I think can only be a good thing. <laughs> Absolutely. So that is a prolonged uh, what the nerds are watching. So we'll try and breeze through our roundtable, which this week is progress uh, happening on Sunday. Let's hit the jingle. Josh, you um, went to Progress for the first time two, three weeks ago now? Yeah, it was uh, not this previous Saturday, but the Saturday before that, yes, in Sheffield. And you were um, a little bit unsure about some of the wrestlers on the card in terms of that you'd not seen them or you didn't know if they were here or their face and you were going by yourself. So there was a bit of trepidation, but sounds like it was a, altogether a positive experience. Yes, I had a absolute blast, aside from the finish to one match, which... I know you will already know which match I mean, and we might talk about that in the preview of the show coming up. Yeah. I think, yeah. Um, but, but that was only the one minor negative of um, my whole experience going, and I would absolutely love to go to a progress show at some point again. What was the uh, venue like? Uh, I like the venue. I mean, you guys are probably used to it going to these shows, but it was quite a novelty being able to see the show from the bar, which was quite a nice experience. <laughs> um, and just being able to watch some wrestling with a beer, it was, it was great. And you managed to uh, get um, a big demo uh, beer spit on you. I did indeed, yes. I um, I was on the front row, which was great. Got quite, obviously as close to the action as you could get. And then when our new world champion was celebrating afterwards, me in my uh, light-coloured shorts looked like I had a bit of an accident as a result of our um, <laughs> world champion celebration. So, yeah, that was much appreciated. Yeah, pretty jealous that you got to see that title change. Apparently it was a great match as well. It was fantastic, actually. I did kind of feel like I was suffering from imposter syndrome, given it was my first progress show and I saw the world title change in the main event. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they've got you coming back for more now, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, someone's got to cheer for Lana Austin, haven't they? So (laughs) True. Uh, So let's quickly run through the card. First up, we've got the returning Eddie Dennis taking on Maggot. Maggot's won two of his last three progress matches, including a DQ win over Spike last time out. A big win in terms of the win table, obviously not not necessarily a pin or a submission, but still to have a win over Spike Trevay at the moment is impressive in progress. Whereas Dennis, unfortunately for him, he's coming off the back of an eight-match losing streak on NXT UK, but he did win his match at RevPro on his return to the Indies. As I was saying, they got the fun-loving Andrew WK Dennis but will we get the fun loving one or will we get the angry teacher from NXT UK the match graphics suggest we might get the latter uh, where he's doing the shush teacher pose and of course the Andrew WK song is unlikely to be played as uh, it's a copyright issue with the network and things so I'm assuming this is going to be face versus heel with Maggot as the face and Dennis as the heel yeah a good a good match and people will be pumped to see the return of Dennis because he was a much-loved character in progress. I, th- I think it's um, with these sort of matches coming up every now and then, with these obviously recently departed NXT UK stars, I think it's a good spotlight for the, whoever faces them as well. So sure. there'll be a, there'll be some people coming to this show, like, for example, when I went to the Sheffield show to see um, Takashita, I hadn't seen Leon Slater before, and I thought it was a great opportunity to showcase someone like that. Although it wasn't originally meant to be him, I just thought it was good that um, they put someone like that in that you know, a match against a, a big name, an outsider type thing. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was entertained by Maggot in the one match that I saw him. So, he yeah. I think has, a... He obviously has some slightly strange antics in the ring. And Dennis was quite well known for being a bit fun in the ring at Progress. 
So it'd be quite fun if, like, if it is heel Dennis, if he kind of comes out as the fun-loving Dennis with clapping his hands and doing all the hand claps and does something silly with Maggot, like like the little dance that he does in, in the ring as a pair. <laughs> and then he does like something dastardly by just kicking him from behind or something. Like that could be a fun way to open up the show. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think like he could absolutely do that and then maybe like switch into the darker side and really get the crowd against him. Yeah, definitely. For sure, for sure. Next up, we've got Gene Money versus Tate Mayfairs. Gene Money is going through <laughs> through some something. I'm not sure what he's going through at the moment, but is this for the Gene Money title as well? Or it, so apparently, it's not up for grabs. Sadly, in this match, um, but Gene Money is claiming that he well, he, he isn't claiming that it, like this is true. He's the only British wrestler since Nigel McGuinness to hold a victory over the Ring of Honor World Champion. <laughs> Which is true because he beat Gresham. Um, I think that that has gone to his head a bit and he's now named himself as the world champion of the Gene Money Championship. <laughs> he, he also had um, streamers in Sheffield as well when he won. That was uh, quite something. <laughs> but the title was not on the line. Tate has, has already proclaimed himself as part of the MPS series. Up in Newcastle, we came out and basically said that I'm in it and, and I get a bye. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is, according to Kay's match, a first time affair pretty exciting for us to see something new and we had on our twitter when we asked for shout outs this week we got an actual mention from tate mayfairs about this match uh if i quickly find it so we said we're recording the podcast later let us know who wants a shout out and tate mayfairs got back to us saying shout outs are giving out as easily as championship belts i guess ain't that right gmi <laughs> so, so love that from uh, Tate Mayfairs he's uh, getting involved with the storyline on our Twitter obviously he doesn't respect the Gene Money championship <laughs> but it's going to be an, an, an interesting one because obviously Gene Money is super loved and Tate Mayfairs the complete opposite at the ballroom yeah I feel like the uh, the crowd will play along to it as well which is definitely one of the things I got from going to a progress show um, you get some crowds, some brands, which are quite funny, but I feel like the progress crowd will kind of go along with who they're meant to boo and who they're meant to cheer. Yeah, for sure. Next up, we've got Lana Austin versus Raven Creed, your favourite. My favourite Lana, um, yep. <laughs> this is a brand new match for me that I'll be watching live. It's a straight jacket match. <laughs> um, <so> this feud <laughs> actually runs back all the way to 2018, where Creed beat Austin for the OTT Women's title. Right. And clearly Austin's got a bee in a bonnet about that even in 2022 and she's been getting others to do a dirty work for her in progress against Raven Creed. She's attempted to get uh, Max the Impaler, Nightshade, most recently Eliza Alexander. And then in a tag team match at the ballroom not too long ago, Austin and Eliza Alexander won that match in a tag team match against Falcon and Creed by managing to <laughs> put Creed into a straight jacket and tying her to the ring post so she wasn't part of the match anymore. <laughs> <laughs> So Creed obviously has it in for Austin because she just can't seem to get to her. She's putting obstacles in her way all the time. Creed beat Eliza at the last show. I think that was the one that you... No, no, that was... You saw the three-way, didn't you? Yeah. So the day after that, Creed beat Eliza in a one-on-one match. And now she's got Austin in a straight jacket match. Exactly what a straight jacket match is, I'm not entirely sure. But <laughs> I'm looking forward to finding out. <laughs> um, but Lana Austin has two wins over Creed in the last two matches. The tag um, that I saw in the ballroom and the three-way that you saw in Sheffield. Can she get the job done one-on-one? 
Well, I'm I'm sure if Lana Austin does have to go into a straight jacket, I'm sure she won't complain one bit at all. Um, I'm sure she'll be perfectly compliant with the referees and all the rules that go with it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we've got Callum Newman against Anthony Agogo, uh, obviously Olympian boxer turned AEW wrestler, the governor, as he's known. Uh, he's unbeaten in progress. First match he ma- that he had, he was a heel against Harry Singh. Uh, then he was a face against Tate Mayfairs. So he's going for the hat-trick here where he's up against Callum Newman, who's also a face. So maybe he gets the hat-trick ball and he's a tweener in this match. Obviously, it's Callum Newman, who's all about pace. So it's pace versus power. He's got to try and duck and dive. Interesting to me that Anthony is only going after smaller wrestlers, it seems. He always seems to kind of oversize his wrestlers that he's facing at the moment. Is it a case where he's going to go through some of the smaller people on the roster and then someone like Luke Jacobs, the Atlas champion, calls him out to take on someone his own size and then we get like a real hoss match, which could be pretty interesting. Callum Newman, sadly for him, he's coming off the... A pretty rough patch. He's eight matches winless in Rev Pro, and he's never won a singles match in progress. So something needs to change for Callum Newman. And he's up against a head of an athlete in Anthony Ogogo. So this is going to be a very interesting match, but one that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I feel like with that in mind, I feel like they could tell a heck of a story if Newman was to get, say, a near fall or something. I mean, I'm presuming Ogogo will win if he's heel or face, but... I just feel like they could, even if Callum Newman's not going to win, I feel like they could do a lot for his um, his character and his story in progress during this match. Yeah, definitely. He's always impressed in ring, Callum Newman has. Just hasn't been picking up the victories. Uh, but if he gets a victory over Anthony, that's going to be an absolute massive thing for him, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine the pop and um, the reaction afterwards, obviously given the name of a go-go as well. So, yeah, yeah if they wanted to tell that story, then, then yeah, I think there's a lot of possibilities with this match. Absolutely. Next up, we've got the match that unfortunately was the one match that you felt a little bit let down by. The last <sighs> is uh, Kanji against Laura Di Matteo. But I'm going to give them a chance here in terms of I'm going to try and explain the story. So Laura Di Matteo is the current EVE international champion over in EVE. And she's looking to add progress gold to her overhead luggage here. So she has been in progress for seven years and she's never won the title. And she feels that the last match in storyline mode, I know that you're probably about to say otherwise, but in storyline mode, her kind of crux is that she felt that Kanji is, in her own words, a fucking coward because she got DQ'd in the last match. Um, Uh. (laughs) And the previous chapter, she had a change of heart where she basically got injured slash choked out by Kanji. It was quite confusing on the uh, chapter show that we went to. But... um, Rather than kind of help, well, Kanji tried to help her once, like she realized that it looked like she was in trouble. And then uh, she attacked her after the match, kind of cementing her heel turn. Then the match that you saw happened where stuff went down. And <laughs> she's basically so annoyed with the fact that she's still not champion and she feels cheated that she's made a kind of a caveat here where the title is on the line. And if Kanji gets DQ'd, then she loses the title. So she's managed to get the odds in her favour, but the stats aren't because Dimitri has never pinned or made Kanji submit, whereas uh, Kanji has done that to the Dimitri twice. So that's the story. Yeah. But unfortunately, it has been a bit convoluted getting there. 
I kind of want to say before I talk about the finish of the match I saw, the match itself was really good. I've all the, I think the biggest compliment I can give to Laura Di Matteo is if, if I was one of the big companies watching that show, she'd be the person I'd sign first. Wow. So I was really impressed by her and I really wanted her to win. The finish, I'm not, Kanji wasn't, you know, bad or at all. I thought she was quite a good baby face in peril. I just didn't feel, I don't get how it's her fault when the referee was literally stood there watching her struggling to get this chair off. And then she swings out and the chair hits Laura Di Matteo and then the ref calls the DQ. It, it was a bit confusing to me. And then I saw the, um, the stip online where if Kanji gets DQ'd, she loses the title, which I, I guess Di Matteo's kind of, you know, screwed it to like a heelish way. But I, after seeing the match I saw, expected there to be like a, a gimmick match, like a no DQ match later down the line. Um, yeah. And then they've got to this one, which, you know, at least they've got the rematch. And I still hope Laura Di Matteo wins. Um, <laughs> I just think... I just think she's better. I'm not going to lie. I just think she's good. Fair enough, mate. Um, Both very good. Both very good. Um, Yeah, definitely. Unfortunately, it has been a bit convoluted, this storyline, but I'm actually really looking forward to this one. Um, I think that they've finally managed to get round to the story that they're trying to tell. So that's the most important thing in wrestling sometimes. Um, So yeah, hopefully the ballroom is fully behind Kanji and Laura Di Matteo is doing some schemishly bad things to try and get Kanji DQ'd. (laughs) (laughs) Next up, we've got the tag title match. Sunshine Machine against CPF, uh, Danny Black and Joe Lando. This is the fourth title defense for Sunshine Machine. Six is the current record that they're trying to beat. Can they get another four in the can to become the uh, all-time team with the most successful defences in their title reign? I think they probably can. Um, They just seem to be on a different level at the moment, Sunshine Machine. This match is just going to be all the moves. All four people in this match are just full of flips and tricks and amazing double teams, so I'm really looking forward to it. Joe Lando in particular, he's fresh off his excursion from GCW, faced Nick Wayne, of course, he was in progress not too long ago against Robbie X. And Nick Wayne, after the matches with Lando, actually tweeted out saying that he would wrestle Lando every day if he could. So things clearly went well between them. Um, I saw that some arseholes clipped part of the match and slagged it off as like, oh, this is Osprey at 30% speed because wrestling is not fun on Twitter sometimes. Uh, but we support you, Lando, and we're really happy that things went well over there. Um, but a little shout out just quickly as well there. Uh, idea for a booking idea that Brum had, which is Scum 41, which is uh, Black, Lando and Andrews as like a hill <laughs> pop punk band. <laughs> <laughs> as long as Andrews doesn't sing, oh, that's fine with me. <laughs> hey, we love Junior here. <laughs> <laughs> as I said, this is going to be just one for just sitting back and watching some madness. <laughs> <laughs> you need that on the, on live shows though you need a variety so uh, yeah one match where you can't quite keep up I think's enough and <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up we've got the Atlas title match which I think you're going to be uh, super behind your man um, man like Doris in this one so you saw him in a triple threat match which, which included Aussie Open's Mark Davis with these two wrestlers, and it's just a singles match this time around. Across Red Pro and Progress, though, Jacobs is in God mode at the moment. Unbeaten in 12 matches, 
He's beaten Jonah for the title. He defended against Roy Johnson and Axel Tischer in singles matches. And then he beat Mark Davis and Darice in a three-way. I'm a little bit surprised that, that Darice is getting a title shot here. Is not only did Darice lose to Jacobs in a three-way, he also lost to him in a six-man tag the next night when Stinger beat Darice's team. So I'm a little bit surprised at that. But I guess it is what it is. Both he and Maloney have been on a bit of a losing streak since they lost the titles at Super Strong Style. And Maloney even pinned man like Darice in the Thunderbatter match whilst he was blinded because of what happened with Sprite Trevay. <laughs> but um, still, there's like a little bit of a story being told here where things aren't going in the way of 0121. Um, so it's a big night for them because not only does Darice have the Atlas title match, Maloney's in the main event against Damo for the Progress title. So potentially, it's the best night of their lives with them holding singles gold. Or it could be another bad night at the office for both of them. So it's going to be a very interesting story at this chapter, I think, for the both of them. Yeah, because at the show I saw when Slater had his match with Takashita, they both came out afterwards, kind of giving me his flowers type thing. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of like nervously waiting, like waiting for one of them to turn on him. Uh, and they didn't. So the fact that they're both booked in big title matches on the same show, I think is really fascinating. And may- maybe it'll, it's just that. Maybe they are just, you know, two baby faces in big matches or maybe there is a story. But no, yeah, it's definitely sure. something to watch for sure. So the demo and Maloney one, just to run through it. Firstly, who saw that title change coming? Absolutely none of us in the pickums. <laughs> what a coupon buster that was. <laughs> <laughs> so see the previous stuff that, that I've said about man like Darice for Dan Maloney obviously there's an element of Spike Trevay maybe being added to this match somehow after the dramatics of the Thunderbuster match where he blinded Dan Maloney maybe he turns up here with his key and goads him at some point or something will they stay calm if they lose this match is a big question or are we going to see a bit of an Anthony Joshua meltdown from the pair of them at the end of the show um, <laughs> Demos though Demos back in the UK and this is his first major singles title in the UK since 2016, when he was the uh, first ever What Culture Pro champion. So he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder, something to prove. And he came over to Progress in Sheffield. Not many people gave him a chance. And he told <laughs> us all that he wouldn't let Chris Woodway bully him like he's bullied everyone else so far. And he certainly did that. So it's his first chapter where he's got a title defence. And I'm just expecting a big old hoss match between him and Dan Maloney. And it's interesting that he's booked against a face finally. And that, um, it's going to be a bit of a split crowd, I think, because as almost we've always said here, um, actually, with like even with a heel, sometimes, sometimes like a Laura Di Matteo has impressed you so much that you cheer for her. There's going to be certainly some people that are going to be cheering for Dan Maloney here because he's a big baby face too. Yeah, I think down the years on TV and obviously live as well, I think Damo's got that capability where I think he can play either a face or a heel, depending on who he's up against. And even with the match with Ridgeway, at different points in the match, it was kind of difficult to tell who was acting as the face and who was acting as the heel. So I think, um, as you say, depending on how the crowd respond, I think uh, I have eternal trust in Damo to be able to tell a, a pretty good story with Maloney in this match. Yeah, it's going to be hard-hitting as hell, isn't it? Yeah, because him and Ridgeway absolutely beat the piss out of each other. <laughs> it was great. And Dan Maloney can certainly do the same. So, yeah, very much looking forward to the whole show as a whole. And not only in a wrestling capacity, but also for the first time ever, wrestling should be fun. I've teamed up with Progress Wrestling to do QI, which is a quiz at the queue of the chapter on Sunday. We'll be there. We'll pick some players out and we're going to do a quiz 
um, with the people in the in the queue. Um, a bit of fun with everyone out there to pass the time whilst you're waiting to get into the venue. And we'll have some free merch for the winners as well. So really excited for that. First one, so go easy on us if it's a bit of a letdown. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure that Big Dom will smash it. He's already promised that he's bringing out his uh, blue blazer for it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, really looking forward to it. Um, and hopefully we'll see some of you there. That's it for the round table. Josh, we haven't actually recorded the call-up sheet because Brum was on and he wanted to crack on with AEW chat. Yeah. So if we could quickly go back and do it as if it's the start. <laughs> yeah, it's fine, mate. Yeah, no worries. Um, let's just quickly find it. I don't know if you heard, Ross, but there was a lot in AEW that went on the past week or so, so... Yeah, there was a fair bit, wasn't there? <laughs> okay, let's do it. Okay, first up, we've got Lucas Very Singer from Everywhere and Nowhere. If interested, contact me. <laughs> okay, well, if we want him to sing, we'll let him know. <laughs> So clearly he's got to be some kind of Tai Chi, Aiden English type, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Spotlight, please. It's a thing to see. Yes, it's a thing to be. Sports entertainer in the 21st century. Stop, hammer time. So we've had a kind of a operatic singer. We've had kind of a rock opera singer. We've had rappers. We've had country singers. Have we really had like a drill artist yet? Um, o one two one, I guess. <laughs> yeah, maybe you could take that internationally and see how that gets over in the US or uh, Japan or Mexico. Maybe. <laughs> I like it. Next up, we've got David Young Buck Davy. He gives out his Snapchat, which I probably shouldn't hear. <laughs> um, <laughs> But he's Young Buck Davy, so I'm assuming that he's just, you know, the newest member of the Young Buck. Yeah, maybe he's like the Brandon Cutler to Brandon Cutler. <laughs> like he's really at the bottom of the barrel. Keeps on trying to send out his Snapchat on BTE. <laughs> Next up, we've got Wrestle Rant. This is a kind of a wrestling news outlet and provides my thoughts on anything wrestling. Wrestle Rant. That's a heel gimmick if ever I've heard one, a wrestling journalist. <laughs> so he's got scoops, but he also likes a rant. So maybe he gets the scoop and rather than telling people about it online, he goes into wrestling promos and he rants about what he's found out. <laughs> Emerald Hills, someone who interacts with us quite a lot on Twitter. She's got the brilliant handle of Turd Ferguson. <laughs> she's, she's into gaming, TWG, wrestling, Ricky Gervais, Doctor Who, Fallout. Animal Lover, 80s Metal, Mass Effect, Wine Lover, Elder Scrolls, Marvel, PS5, and no DMs. So can we have her like come out as a different gimmick literally every show? I would love that. You just never know what you're going to get. Yeah. So she could be, you know, Doctor Who one night, and the next she can be an 80s Metal star. <laughs> yeah, and then the next time she's coming out, she's got a games console and whatnot, and the next night she comes out and she's, you know, just drunk on wine. <laughs> Sounds like a good gimmick to me. <laughs> uh, next up, we've got Jacob Grondi, JG Pro Wrestling. Help me put out my wrestling podcast. Well, we'll help you plug it, mate. Go and check him out at uh, JG Pro Wrestling. 
maybe we could have him like outside the shows, like trying to plug his podcast every time he's booked on a show. <laughs> yes. Next up, we've got Lord Smokage, 23, HBK Hooligan, King of Smokens, Manic Javon. And then he says, super bad hooligan. I mean, uh, do we go with the HBK, you know, impression or do we go with like the full hooligan and this is just a football hooligan in a wrestling gimmick, maybe? Yeah, he could be a football hooligan in a crowd with a box on his head as a super bad. Ah, very good. <laughs> Not seen that one before. <laughs> Next up, we've got Robert Lentini, who's a writer for SES Scoops and Sports Kida mm. from Massachusetts. It's quite impressive, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Another one that has scoops, but this time he doesn't rant about it. So maybe he's like the tag team partner of like uh, Jim Neidhart is the other guy and he's Bret Hart and he's, he's cool and calm. He's got to try and calm down the anvil. Yeah, he kind of like, he's the editor of the um, the website <laughs> where they publish the scoops. <laughs> Our friend from the group, Harris, is asked to pretend that his bio just says Justice for the Desert Island Wrestler, WSBF Harris, deleted scenes. Hashtag release the filp cut. <laughs> <laughs> Very in joke there, but more than worthy. Harry Whitlock, Yes, mate. Release Dom's cut. (laughs) (laughs) Rob, who says he's Rob.ca. He's 101% Canadian. Even if she is married, it's a Canadian marriage. It's like their money or their army. Nobody takes it seriously. (laughs) Pitch Perfect Obsessed. Fueled by heavy metal, broccoli and caffeine. Support indie wrestling. He also massively supports the threads that we do where we make wrestlers into Renaissance paintings. He absolutely loves those. So... I think he should be some kind of um, art dealer. Maybe he just like draws Canadian people like one week it's Avril Lavigne and then it's Chris Jericho and then it's like the dude from Nickelback or whatever. <laughs> yes, mate. Chad Kroger. <laughs> you poor thing. You have to grow up in Canada with America right there. Penultimately, we've got Andy Gibson TV, journalist for informingbritain.com, actor as Randy Richards in The Lockdowners. He's official at Celebrate ABDN. He's a photographer, wrestling fan, and hashed, whatever that means. <laughs> uh, so I picked up on the, the actor bit there, and I'm hoping this guy is willing to copy one of my favourite gimmicks of recent years, which was when Damien Sandow was Mrs. Stunt Double. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so if he could do that for someone, that would be excellent. And last but not least, we've got HBK Malik, who says, not me, please, and then has <laughs> an eye emoji. And I don't really understand modern techno- like modern stuff like that. Like, does he mean yes or no? So I'm just going to say yes, and we're going to do his bio. Pro wrestling is his life. He's an action figure collector. He loves WCW, and he's NWO for life. He also loves Suits and The Weeknd, and he's from Jeddah in Saudi Arabia. Oh, so he's winning every show then? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like he's going to win like a 60, 70-man battle royal or something dressed in NWO black and white. Yeah, helped by Mansoor. Or yeah, Mansoor. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so that is the call-up sheet. So that was episode 64. We had people jumping in and out of the episode as if it's an episode of Doctor Who. Apologies about that, but I'm sure Phil will do his best to make it coherent in the edit. <laughs> we'll be back next week or the week after with a review of the progress show and please make sure that you follow our instagram 
which is where we'll have the live quiz, QI quiz from the queue, uh, which will be a lot of fun to follow along with um, and see if you can get the answers right. So thanks very much, Josh, Matt, and from Brum to come on. And apologies about the absolute haphazardness of episode 64. Drink lots of water and look after your mates. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Some help. <laughs>